Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. I thought that it would make sense to do an episode about sexual assault and communication. And this is a more serious episode, and we invite our listeners to approach it with any kind of hesitance if this episode turns out. You know, if you don't want to listen beyond this, that's fine. Um, My goal for this episode is exploring more about why people accidentally or purposely hurt other people and how we can learn to prevent that from happening And then just to like bring up some questions about how we do or don't address sexual assault in our societies. Um, So a more serious episode, but it's also, you know, we're here, John and I, (laughs) crafting this to deliberately deliver in the most, you know, mindful, non-triggering way possible. So that being said, yes. Um, So discussion question. Have you ever hurt someone and regretted it after. I threw a frisbee at my dog, at my childhood dog, and I knew he wasn't ready to catch it, and I wanted to see what would happen, and it hit him in the chest, and he went, and I felt terrible. I was like 12, (laughs) I know. I still feel bad about that, but I was curious. You know, I wanted to see what would happen. Um, I was giving a lap dance once and a man told me that he uh, will honk his horn sometimes when he's driving past a girl just to see what her face looks like. And I was like, ooh, that actually makes people feel yucky. And he's like, eh, I don't know. I'm just curious. Um, Damn. Yeah. In like second grade, I once... uh I think like some kid had his fingers on my desk or like in between my desk and his desk and I was getting really irritated about it and I like slammed the desks together and like hoping mm. to like surprise him but mm-hmm. like it ended up hurting his finger and I felt mm-hmm. really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. That's a great example. That's a great example. And I mean, what if honestly in that moment, what if you kind of didn't care if it hurt him because you were pissed, you yeah. know? Um, so to open up this episode of like where I'm coming from. So if you've listened to any or all of the season, you might know that I've been sexually assaulted, uh, a few times over my life, um, where I would say, um, 
I would say I've been penis and vagina raped when I was unconscious due to alcohol. I've had um, forcible interactions where I've had to fight men off when I was intoxicated. Um, and luckily, like, help <laughs> came in time. Um, you know, I've had partners who basically non-verbally let it be known that if I was going to be living with them, like sex was expected. Um, you know, I've been in plenty of business meetings where if a man brushes by you and puts his hand on your butt for a second, like, you know, you can't say anything cause you will then be the weird one. So just like scales of that stuff. So nothing in my childhood. Um, but I feel, you know, comfortable saying like, I have been sexually assaulted enough to know what it's like in some ways. And I've also heard from a ton of people and read a ton of horrible case studies. You know, I went to school for criminology, so I used to read case studies of people horribly murdered yeah. and often related to sexual assault. Um, so I feel like I have a, a good spectrum for like what people can and do to each other. Yeah. Um, John, do you want to give any of your background? Do you feel like you have any background around sexual assault? Um, I don't. I can't think of anything that I want to share right now. Um, sure thing. That's totally okay. Yeah. Um, so a couple of years ago then, I had I received a message from a man who I had given many, many lap dances to some years prior, about eight years prior. He said, you might not remember me. I used to buy dances. I did remember him because he was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> he was a total oh, was fucking he? weirdo. He was. He said weird shit. He made the girls uncomfortable, but he had money. He would sometimes get all four of us. Uh, at the time, the, the club had less booked less girls. So four or five of us, all of the night girls, to give him like dance at the end of the night. So it was just like skin, like rubbing on each other. And it wasn't a bad time, but it was just like, oh, time to go dance for that guy. Um, yeah. So he reached out to me. He moved away. He moved far, far away. He reached out to me, let's say eight years later, I think it was. And he says, um, I... I'm so sorry that I ever did anything that made you uncomfortable. Can you tell the other women if they're still there? He named a couple. They're not. Um, that I'm also sorry. Um, he says, I am a recovering rapist. I've been in therapy. I am currently in an abusive relationship where my girlfriend is abusing me. And it's really made me realize how fucking horrible I have been to other people. And then he said he went through therapy, was able to realize that his childhood which was very physical and violent and sexually abusive was not normal. No. He was not aware of these things. <clears throat> Damn. So I sat with him for an hour. Mm -hmm. He bought me dinner. I told him beforehand, uh, you know, here's my rate for the hour. Uh, I paid for it. Um, his demeanor, he was not, not proud. He was not comfortable. I would say he was very uncomfortable. Um, much of the time he was very grateful. Um, I do not feel that having that meeting relinquished him of any feelings of guilt, really, honestly. Um, yeah. I actually had someone reach out to me when they heard I was building this kind of episode. They said, "El, please don't do this because if you're asking rapists to tell you their stories, you're going to make them like relieved of their guilt and they'll go offend again. And I'm like, nah, that's not really what's happening in this episode. Yeah. Um, but this brings up how do we how do we offer form abusers opportunities who want to heal or relearn or honestly like didn't really have a chance to know what the fuck they were doing was wrong in the first place. Yeah. Um, 
So would you support therapy or accountability processes for people who had raped or hurt other people? What do you think? Um, If it was in conjunction with some sort of like deterrent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So say like Um, therapy in prison, maybe. But yeah. mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would it would defend it would depend on the uh, severity of yeah. how hurt the victim said they were should have something to do with it probably. Um, I heard from a woman who says that she says I have spent a few years working with adults with sex offenders who also have intellectual and developmental disabilities, and I can tell you that I was never once able to find any appropriate resources for these individuals. This person says they are also a childhood abuse survivor. There are very limited preventative measures being applied, she says. I once heard a person say in a therapy setting, I don't know if I'm allowed to be here because I've sexually assaulted before. And they were so fucking scared to say that. And I am so grateful they did. And I'm so grateful the person leading the group said, absolutely, Yes, you're allowed to stay in here. Um, But it's like, what do you do otherwise? I mean, how do people get seen? So our guest, Vanessa Riken, she was in season one, episode six. She works with uh, troubled youth, mostly boys at the boys school, the bad boys schools. Um, she gave example of one of their clients, a youth who he ran away from a treatment program. It happens all the time, you know. Um, they found him. He was safe, but he was gone for nine days, which means he's no longer allowed back there at the school because he broke the rules. And now he has no placement. So now, and this was someone who had committed sexual assault in his history, in his cases. Um, so now he's released in the community and that's it. No, because he's not allowed back at the school. So where where do they go? <laughs> um, and Vanessa says, you know, operating under the belief that everyone deserves a chance at rehab. I've seen this happen so many times at, at the other home she worked at. And she says there's such a, a limited availability of programs that they boot them the second they're gone for the minimum days. I think it's seven. And then they open the bed to someone else and abandon ship on the original kid is what she says. Damn. Um, yeah. So the, the trouble, well, there's lots of trouble about talking about sexual assault and rape, but part of the problem, it makes it hard for people, I think, to talk objectively about this is that they will, um, it'll re- it'll trigger them and they'll, they'll speak from their experience and then apply that to like all thoughts and opinions on sexual assault. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that more sexual assault happens because it is accidental and because people are operating on assumptions or social pressure or miscommunication. Um, An example would be like, I'm going to pull my dick out real fast while I'm having sex with this woman I just met and I'm going to shove it in her ass real fast because I saw that on porn and maybe I don't have a lot of sexual experience or experience having sex So I think that's what I do now. And this woman, and I've perceived this, (laughs) it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Ouch, that hurts. We didn't talk about this. So, you know, people get hurt 
I think more often because of stuff like that that isn't meant to be malicious. And part of the reason I think that is because in my years of therapy and fucking mostly men um, and dating them, when I told my therapist about the one awful, awful person who looked me in the face and told me I manipulate women for fun, it's one of my hobbies. I told my therapist this and she says, if it makes you feel better, the majority of people aren't sociopaths. And I was reading a study that uh, chronic sexual abusers, when they did brain scans, their brains actually function differently than most people. So I truly believe that less of the population that has committed rape did so with the intention of hurting someone. I do believe there are lots of women who have had regrettable sex and felt subtle coercion and just people in general, but you know, more women because yeah. I do think, I do think like in very misogynist, um, sex negative cultures, I think forcible coercion and violence is more common because again, when you have less respect for the person you're touching, you will treat them less well. Kind of just makes me wonder like with all the, the media that's kind of coming out at the moment too, like, like you remember the last episode we talked about, um, about Rihanna's song. And, mm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Must be love just, on the brain. Just yeah, just all this talk of, like, people who think they have, like, ownership of other people's bodies. And it kind of makes me think of how that translates into, like, there being representation of that in media. I still remember mm-hmm. when, like, uh, when Kesha had to get rid of her contract with Sony because her producer was, like, raping her. <laughs> yes. And yeah. And she received no support. What was his no. name? Dr. Um, Luke. Dr. Luke, I think. Yeah. Dr. Luke. Yeah. Um, and there were plenty of other singers eventually that came out and said, yeah, that guy's a creep, but they were also very afraid of being sued. So, um, yeah, that person who told me that, that they uh, manipulate women for fun, they told me that maybe they would just have the club where I work. Maybe they would just buy the property, the land and bulldoze it because they knew I loved working there. They have money. Shit's scary. That's why I was like, fine, I won't speak out about you. I can't at this point in my life. You know, I can't. They have more power than me. Um, Interestingly enough, this person never like forcibly raped me, but they violated a lot of other things. So, you know, manipulation, all this stuff looks looks different. Um, I definitely... I definitely try to consider when I've pushed on people or made them feel coerced. Um, Not the same thing, but there's also like, it's a cultural problem when we've taught young men to like never give up and keep going till you get what you want. Even if that's the girl. And then we have so many women that are fearful for their lives. So they do the freeze or yeah, freeze reaction and don't speak up because they're worried of, you know, getting hurt worse or seeming disagreeable and and uh, i love that like some men's reactions are to like become i don't know toxic incels or to to become pickup artists and put so much work towards either like breeding hate or towards like being fake when they could just try mm-hmm. to be like interesting and nice <laughs> yeah just try and to I'm be like, interesting and nice just be interesting and be nice like it's that's all that's all you need. That's really... Yeah. The rest is, you know, the cherry on top, but... Yeah. 
Uh, we'll go into this study a little bit later in the episode, but there was a Reddit thread, Ask a Rapist, and it's now the subject of a research study. This was, um, I wonder what when that research study came out. This was written by Nora Kaplan Bricker in December of 2015 for Slate.com. The infamous Reddit Ask a Rapist thread is now the subject of a research study. Researchers found that culturally supplied narratives turn into excuses for men to blame their victims. <laughs> um, so that means that when you when you teach women that they have to be the gatekeepers for who goes inside them, that's how you blame the women when somebody goes inside them and they say they didn't like it. They're like, well, you should have prevented that. You shouldn't have been drinking with them. Um, so as researchers at Georgia State University, they analyzed the 2012 Reddit thread and they asked them, what was your motivation and do you regret it? And they found that a lot of the perpetrators would describe violence with a familiar sexual script such as the expectation that men will initiate and women will demure anyway so basically what they realized through doing this study is that rape happens because of how we feel culturally about how people are supposed to behave around sex i was reading this thread that you uh, that you were talking about um not the thread itself that's been deleted from reddit but um just the mm -hmm. the post and yeah no that's that's intense. What are you, it's interesting. What are you seeing? Well, they're talking about how uh, the idea began because there were a lot of asking the victim um, threads about like their experiences or people sharing them, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And here the post you linked me to is about um, a, a psychiatrist, I believe, who is saying, you know, this thread is incredibly dangerous. Um like, we have to talk about this. Here's, like, some research I've done. She works in emergency psychiatry. She talks about how rape is a crime that uh, sometimes hinges directly on feelings of power, all these things. And and, uh, and it, she basically says, basically, that, like, Reddit was giving rapists an audience for their stories. Um, mm -hmm. And that it's, like appealing to some rapists and they enjoy sharing it um so it's mm -hmm. very possibly triggering rape cravings and i was like yeah I, I think i agree with you i don't think that 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 makes a ton of sense maybe mm -hmm. I, have, uh, I have some difficulty says... with that because i feel like that is such an intense experience um from like to compare it to people like talking about that or in retrospect. And I think it is good to hear things um, from the other side so you can understand what people like. How do you, I think you can also learn how to help people if you know like what's going on through their head. And if you can't, then that's, although you could make an argument that that's not the setting for them to share. And that would be fair. Um, so the, the researchers were saying that the way that the original thread began allowed rapists to craft narratives. Um, or to victim blame. So instead of being like, ask a rapist, why did you do it? I would say, have you ever, like kind of how I started this episode, and it sucks because it's not as easy and quick to say, but have you ever committed a sexual assault? You know, how did you feel about it? Or how did you realize it? Instead of, hey, if you already self-identify as a rapist, it's more likely that you, I don't know, 
might feel proud of that. Um, there's, yeah, I feel like the way it could have been presented would have given, it would have uh, elicited different feedback is what I'm saying. Um, because what I heard from people and granted, this is not, not Reddit, but people who reached out to me are people who are expressing remorse because those are the people I asked to hear from. These are just some questions I want to bring up because again, people who have been through a sexual assault, um, or are currently in unsafe relationships, like it's, it's probably, you're probably not ready to have a conversation about sexual assault, like at large, if it brings up specific feelings like pertinent to what you're experiencing, you know, like the idea that you can in the middle of a sexual activity withdraw consent is a, again, newer, like conversation. I never heard that before that you can withdraw consent in the middle of sex, not in, not in high school, not as a teenager. Uh, my mom, my mom, remember my mom was on a, an after show and she's like, I've never heard about that. I've never heard the idea of like withdrawing consent during sex. <laughs> Just finish. Ew. Just let it, you know. Um, and then also what's the difference when we talk about sexual assault? I've always been careful to try to not compare Aziz Ansari to Louis CK. Um, because Aziz Ansari, he had really awkward, bad sex with a woman who didn't communicate how displeased and uncomfortable she was until the next day. And then she wrote a tell all about it. Whereas Louis C.K. forced women to be trapped in a, ho a room with him while he jacked off and they weren't allowed to leave. So it seems like the odds are Louis C.K. probably knew what he was doing was wrong. Aziz yeah. might not have. So and yeah, I watched both of their shows, more, so I was bummed either way. A <laughs> lot more space for forgiveness with Aziz, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aziz, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your entitlement. Louis C.K., though, you have two daughters. Like, how could you even, like, formulate that in your mind as being okay? You know what I mean? No. But, like, if he didn't have two daughters still, but the fact that, like, so much of it, I used to watch a show, like I said, so much of his show was, like, him being a parent, him being a single dad. So it's like, if you have a general concern and empathy towards women and girls, what the fuck were you thinking? Whereas Aziz, I'm like, okay, you're a young, famous guy. You're trying to get laid. Like there's a difference. So I thought that was worth a heck. And it really irritates me when women are like, Oh, they're the same. Um, yeah. no, if somebody pinches my daughter versus cuts her hand off, they're not the same, you know? No. Uh, y'all let's take a break. Let's take a deep breath and then take a break. <sighs> Rax is the first native app designed by and for sex workers. With unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars, use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on Rax and more events, in-depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.raxtoriches.com. R-A-C-K-S to riches.com. And just for strange bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing holistic options that work with your schedule. 
our Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down, reset, and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? The first Sin Yin class is free to new members, and we offer discounts on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the app to check out all of our industry-friendly class times. Um, welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. We're talking about sexual assault and consent. Yeah, in its many forms. Um, let's pick through this unsolicited letter. Uh, I posted a screen cap of this on our Patreon a couple months ago. This guy, I actually didn't know who sent me this. And when I read it, I went and looked at his photo and I was like, oh my God, it's that weirdo that got kicked out of the club like four years ago. He's still following me on Facebook. My God, he had a profile photo of Bruce Lee. So no, I didn't put two and two together because anyway, so I blocked him now, but this person who's been liking all my shit and following me for the last four years, uh, he wrote me this letter. He says, I remember you when you were young and it broke my heart many times since 2014 that you feel safe in a club. The arrest, by the way, that happened for harassing was me confronting a satanic worshiping sicko who had a restraining order placed on him for some serious violent shit done to a 95 pound woman. It was the fourth goddamn story I heard in a month about domestic violence toward women, so I confronted the guy, and since no good deed goes unpunished, I paid the price for it. I had to do community service work. It was 69 hours of community service when I was always supposed to do 68, thinking it was funny to do 69. And I said I would never do such a thing, pretty lady. Okay, I don't fucking know what any of this means. I loved you, Elle, when we were trying to live together down in L.A. that weird lifetime ago. I That never happened. Uh, he says, lately I feel my mind and body slipping away. The damaged life and the military have done to me has finally taken a toll. Uh, I'm so no sorry shit. I upset you. You were like a gentle guiding light in my life. And I had several people checking in on you, too, over the years. Weird. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to that. I have had several people checking in on you two over the years. What the fuck does that mean? This is a letter I got, by the way. <laughs> I remember in the first go around of 2005-ish. No, no, that never happened, sir. You said you wanted a daughter and you wanted to name her my daughter's name. And I said, then you'll have that. Okay. In 2005, I was a thousand miles away from where this guy was weird and also i was 19 i don't know this guy <sighs> i know what a dedicated mother you are and your healing touch keeps her safe read matt it Dam matt damon always said to me if he had the courage to ask for your hand in marriage he would have and i told him not to <laughs> hesitate that was so many lifetimes ago <laughs> Oof, this person is <laughs> mentally ill uh-huh I have given up on trying to get my goddamn payout for every piece of writing and producing that has been stolen from me, not only by the movie industry and the music industry, but big industry as well. I had attempted uh, to enlighten you as to my wanting a safer, healthier life for you from 2013 to 2015. But due to the creepy weird that inhabits the goddamn strip club, I have failed. <laughs> 
Please don't ever change that little baby doll that you are. Heaven's light shines on you even when you don't know it. Aw, this entire letter Aww. could be a Hallmark card. Fucking Christ. I gave this man, I think, one lap dance about five years ago. Okay. Jesus. So just a reminder, anybody, don't share people's personal information with other people. If anyone's ever like, oh, yeah, do you know Elle? Where does she live? Or what does she drive? Or like, what does she do? Be like, fuck off. I'm not telling you. Because there's people that literally probably could murder me. Um, hmm. Let's do some listener questions and feedback. Yes. See why I'm stressed? Shit's weird. Yeah. People are mm, interesting. Uh, so this was a message I got. That said, I want to bring up something relatable regarding BDSM. Treating women poorly and rape from a male perspective. I was naive and not knowing what I was doing. An ex-partner of mine, I talked her into trying anal. Not being experienced, we tried. Not enough lube or anything. She was in pain. After a bit, I slowed down, reading signs. I brought After up that I was close, didn't have negative intentions. More like, hey, if the pain's unbearable, I'm cool to stop. But if you can handle it, let me know. She groaned, saying, just go. Days later, she spoke to me, saying I raped her in a less harsh way. Saying she was screaming to tell me to stop. My parents were home and I was 20. If she yelled at me to stop, I'm sure I would have. I feel guilty every day because I wasn't smart enough to have a better communication on a safe word or to know maybe she's not ready. As a guy, I'm still afraid to have sex. Anytime my partner winces in pain, I want to stop because I think I did something wrong. <sighs> How common do you think that is? I think that's really common. I've had this interaction, kind of. I've had the interaction. I've had the feeling. Have you ever like known that your butthole was tearing and it hurt, but also that your partner could probably ejaculate pretty soon and then you'd have a quote successful anal sex experience. So you just, you're like, yeah, just go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's um, just an easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. And it's not even about women, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this whole episode, I don't want it to be like gender binary focused at all. There are so many ways that people can hurt each other, <laughs> regardless of gender. Um, but some are more common than others because of how we date and fuck. Um, you know, it's interesting that he brings up that she says that she screamed at him to stop. And he's like, well, my parents were home. So I think what he's saying is we were probably trying to be pretty quiet. So I don't believe that you could have possibly screamed at me to stop. However, yeah. from her perspective, maybe her brain was screaming out and she was in a weird state of mind because she's in pain. Um, so I would say the first mistake was talking your partner into trying anal. Um, so as a guy, if you're still afraid to have sex, how you approach activities should not be trying to talk someone into them but now proposing do you have any interest in would you be interested in I like this do you have any interest in and then if they don't then you meet that need by yourself or if you're partnered you find agreements on how and I actually read this from a, a dominatrix recently where I was like oh that's true 
if you're in a comfortable relationship, you can set aside certain activities that are less fun for the other person for like special occasions, but not ones that are still unpleasant or unbearable, you know? Yeah. 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 That's fair. Right. Um, so I was really, really grateful that he wrote to us. Um, do you have any advice, John, going forward? You know, because what happened happened. So what do we do going forward? Talk with themselves about how to notice the signs of discomfort. If someone says, you know, like, just go, <laughs> like, just do the mm. thing. Like, maybe there's some tension there that needs to be explored, even if it's a little awkward. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know the full situation and, and memories are hard because people remember mm -hmm. different things. So I would. I would address that. I would maybe cover your ass legally um, and actually <laughs> like contact her and make sure that she understands that it wasn't like legally right. Um, but that you apologize and didn't want them to feel uncomfortable. I think that's I don't really think important. he has to cover himself legally though, because she doesn't really have any recourse. I mean, proving this in court would be impossible unless he was like, you're right, which he's not going to. Cause he's like, that wasn't, you know, I didn't, try to rape you he definitely used bad judgment he yeah. could tell she was in pain but she also didn't communicate and she gave him she consented to something she actually didn't want to do so see how the trust erodes there um i had a guy approach me where his partner um they had sex in, intoxicated like they have hundreds of times before um and then they got in a fight and then a week later, she said, we need to talk about what happened. You shouldn't have had sex with me when you knew I was so drunk. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But we've done it so many other times. And so now he's coming to me. He says, I'm kind of afraid to fuck her. And I said, I kind of don't blame you. I really wouldn't again, honestly. Because yeah. if she told you she was good to go, and also there's a history, and if nothing else was done, that was the other thing. He said that she was requesting like, you know, pleasure. She was like, Oh, can you use this on me throughout like during the session or like this toy or whatever? And afterwards it's like, Oh, I came. And so indicated throughout positive the whole time. So if truly your partner was indicating positive the whole time that you feel, and then you feel like this accusation doesn't make sense. Well, I'm here to tell you that women sometimes who have resentments, I've seen women accuse people of sexual assault when I knew they were lying because I witnessed enough of the interaction. I worked with a woman who did this chronically to customers that she felt didn't pay her enough. She did this to girls that she felt were a threat. She would accuse them of assault, sometimes sexual assault all the time. Um, she would do call outs on social media. Um, I watched the stories grow and become more detailed. I watched the men that she was accusing become suicidal, lose their jobs. One of them tried to kill himself. Um, it was really hard to watch. And I have trouble with this, with the believe all women statement. Um, I wish that I could believe all women, but I've seen people lie due to their resentments and personal issues. Yeah. So if you don't trust your partner to not accuse you of rape, they should not be your partner. And I want to say that just for couples going forward, because that's a thing that I still see happen. Weird, weird power struggles. Uh, next question. I see a lot of ladies posting all the time about feeling unsafe. Why don't more women own guns to protect themselves? <sighs> so 
most of the women who are in prison for violent crimes, most of them committed those crimes in self-defense. Like Siwatu Salamara, who was released from her tether during a bond hearing uh, earlier this month. Uh, she actually gave birth while in prison, shackled to a bed while police officers passed by on their phones. Uh, she was in there as a lawful gun owner with no criminal record. She waved a gun, an unloaded gun, at a three-time felon who was threatening her family. Um, she's a black woman. Um, this actually happens all the fucking time. I will tell you that the majority of us don't carry guns because we know that the guns aren't going to help us. Because if I'm walking down the street and someone leers out of the car or throws something at me and I indicate that I have a gun, now what? Do I shoot them and go to jail or prison because I felt scared? Well, even if someone's attacking me, Marissa Alexander is another one. She fired a warning shot. Um, her husband had been abusing her for a while. She was sentenced to 20 years. She fired at the ceiling. So stand your ground. Uh, rules often don't apply in states where stand your ground is a thing. A lot of times women still end up in jail and prison for trying to stand their ground. Um, and then also, hey, I'm a gun owner. If I were to pull my gun out, now that person just knows I have a gun. So I've escalated it. So what, are they going to bring a gun next time? I can't pull out my gun when I'm in a meeting and somebody, like, again, slides a hand past my butt and they weren't supposed to. I can't hand it to my seven-year-old if she's walking from school to the corner. And sexual harassment starts very early of girls and women. <laughs> Guns don't do shit. I saw a sticker the other day. It says you can't rape a 38. It's like, no, you can't rape a 38. But you can put the woman who owns the 38 in prison if she shoots at the ceiling while you were trying to rape her. Yeah. So that's why. That's why. Um, and guns in the household statistically are more likely to uh, lead to domestic violence with the constant fear, the threat of the gun. So if... Uh, if there's a gun in the house and the man owns the gun and maybe the man and the woman are fighting and she comes home and he's just sitting at the table polishing his gun, you know, that's actually a more likely scenario um, in a gun owning household than the hero fantasy that a lot of gun owners want to imagine where someone's trying to break down the door and you shoot them and save the day. Guns in the household often are more misused than they are um, heroic life-saving devices. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> it's amazing how normal it's become for Americans to think that, like, you know, oh, another mass shooting. <laughs> Back when, yeah. like, when all the other ones first happened and people were like, oh, no, Columbine. And, oh, no, like, all those kids at kindergarten. And now it's just like, ah, yep, another fucking mass shooting. That's annoying. Maybe one day we'll have a not Republican Senate. Do you know how many, could you guess how many um, fatal gun-related shootings there were in 2018? Um, if there's 3, 365 days a year. Hmm? 3,000? Uh, let's go higher. 5,000? 
Fourteen and a half thousand. Shit. There's 365 yeah. days a year. <clears throat> Anywho. Uh, Isn't that next crazy? question? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Every time people talk about gun violence now, I just think, um, I think to myself, well, this is America. And then that song starts in my head. Oh, uh, Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, and then I get that in my head every time I think about gun violence. Um, all right, let's see. Next question. I'm a woman and I've sexually assaulted a previous partner. I don't want to go into detail here and I'm not sure I can even talk to a therapist about this or if they will want to report me. I can't go to group therapy either because I'm afraid they will kick me out or everyone will be afraid of me. <sighs> um, I would say that I don't know what the standards are for reporting for therapists, but if it's something I I'm pretty positive that if it's something you did in the past, you can tell your therapist just fine. If it's something you're still doing and they're worried about um, child abuse, they have to report. So, but still I can understand, you know, being afraid of going to a therapist, building a relationship, telling your therapist this. And if the therapist has deeply triggering feelings around sexual assault, in which case they probably shouldn't be doing therapy, um, but I've heard from people that their therapists have reacted and the trust, the dynamic changed and they couldn't go to their therapist anymore yeah. um, for even bringing stuff up like this. So that's kind of hard. Yeah, it's always it's tricky tough. there, right? Because you want full honesty, but you also want to be able to protect people who can't protect themselves. So mm -hmm. it's weird. Mm -hmm. Um. I want to read a little bit of a feedback one. Okay. So we got this from a, he's a trans man. Uh, can we take turns reading each of these paragraphs, John? Sure. Okay. I'll start with this one. He says, I still don't know the exact reason why I did what I did, but none of those excuse my behavior last night. The woman and I had been flirty make out friends for a month or so beforehand. We went to a bar. We both were drunk. The bar closed. We were walking home. This is where my memory blacks out. And we were fooling around. She wanted to stop kissing and I wanted to have sex. So I tried to settle, he says in quotes, for more kissing. But I still didn't listen when she said no or stop. She eventually turned off in another direction and left me on the sidewalk. Good for her. The next day, our mutual friend, whose house I slept at, woke up to a text from the woman saying that I had sexually assaulted her and she needed to talk good for her and that's like a minor one you know that's a really minor thing but good for her yeah. like that's still fucking scary like i don't want your mouth on my mouth anymore stop yeah. um i asked this person i said do you think um of her as a victim john want to go ahead and read what he said i haven't thought of her as a victim or at least labeled her as that i think maybe on some level if i'd labeled her as a victim i would have felt worse about what i did she is someone <laughs> I wish I could apologize to for harm I have caused. Sexual assault. After the sexual assault, I would confide in people that I had done it, but since there was no sex, it wasn't really sexual assault. Over the mm, years and through true. my sobriety, I now know that it doesn't matter what physically happened. She was scared because of my actions, and that is inexcusable. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm now a proud member, proud sober member of AA, and we believe in performing amends to those we have harmed through our drinking, um, except when to do so that would cause harm. 
He says, I don't believe it's appropriate for me to try to reach out to her. So I practice something called living amends. I do my best to stand up for women when men are acting inappropriately. I believe women anytime they claim sexual assault and I treat all women I encounter with respect. Um, interesting what he said. I, I hadn't labeled her a victim. I would have felt even worse about what I did. Um, and that's fine because maybe she doesn't consider herself a victim, you know. Hey, friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Let's skip to the Reddit thread, the one that was mostly closed that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, this person, Dr. Rob, is their Reddit name, and this was submitted seven years ago. This is a very old thread. I think a couple things he says are, these are all uh, cited uh, and linked and so I thought they were worth mentioning. He says, I'd like to start a discussion about the rapist thread, which I see as a serious danger. In a nutshell, rape is a crime, which sometimes hinges directly on feelings of power over the victim. That power often loses its meaning if the victim is unconscious. Many rapists typically need a victim who knows they are being victimized. I think that's really interesting. So again, is there a difference between a chronic sexual abuser and a person who did something accidentally or not thinking very well or not having the tools to make good decisions. The victim is the rapist's audience. This is critical. The audience gives the rapist pleasure, euphoric delight from witness suffering. That euphoria is intense and is possibly driven by the same neurobiology involved in a drug high. So that's interesting. Like uh, earlier I said that the brain scans show that their brains work differently. So, you know how they say, if you ever read about serial killers, it's common traits identified in serial killers when they were young was torture of animals, small animals no. or small children. Um, so that's like a power, power thing. Uh, bedwetting is also really a common one for anxiety. Um, I never tortured animals except for, you know, when I throwing the Frisbee at my old poodle, I wouldn't call that torture. <laughs> it was bad judgment. Yeah. And again, curiosity, sick curiosity from a child doesn't know you know what their power is they're testing their power um you see there's some bullet points at the bottom it says in a sample in one study of 1686 men 466 had raped a woman and 251 of those were multiple rapists the most common motivation quote stemmed from ideas of sexual entitlement Entitlement is the reason people commit rape. It's not clothing. <laughs> it's entitlement. And entitlement can be impacted by feelings about, I don't know, gender, race, class, all kinds of shit. Yeah. See how it always comes back to entitlement? Highly psychopathic individuals, including serial rapists, have measurable differences in brain morphology compared to controls. And then he says, sorry, this isn't available as a free text, but there's a link to an NCBI study. Psychopathy, altered connections on the road to psychopathy. Uh, if you want to look that up. No. Um, let's give some resources before we leave. Uh, I like to mention if you can find the film Pedophile Park on Netflix, 
if you can stomach it. Um, I got through it. I also, again, don't have child sexual abuse in my past. I really liked it because it is a very, I think, objective look and sits down with people who are in, um, live in a trailer park because they are registered sex offenders. Uh, it's mostly men. If you would like more information or resources, um, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N dot org. That is the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline for them. And that's rape and incest uh, specifically. There's nsvrc.org, the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Yeah. And if you have any local uh, clinics in your area, if you do a Google search for sexual assault resources, those will pop up first. Um, thank you, John, for talking to me about all of this. So I invite all of our listeners to do any kind of decompression. If this is, if you listen to the episode because you were curious and you find that it's bringing up feelings about what you've experienced, um, find a healthy way to process those, whether that's journaling or bath or crying or, you know, any of the things that John and I have mentioned before. Um, I had a reoccurring nightmare for a long time until I drew some of the characters in the nightmare and then I stopped having it. So. John, what's your current favorite way to self-care before we go? Uh, at the moment, it's probably relaxing and like sleeping more. Um, trying to get eight hours of sleep every night. Good. <laughs> That's been That's uh, a great place to start. The best for me. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Sleep is great. We could all use more of that. Uh, all right, everybody, please write to us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Thank you to our sponsors, and until next time. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. To find behind the scenes, photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon, that's P A T R E O N.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only $1. Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.